in this episode of the Live Damn Well podcast. Thanks to that crazy amount of attention that vitamin D garnered, I actually started to learn that it extends far beyond our immune system. I mean, it's involved with how our metabolism works. It actually affects the composition of your gut microbiome, the species, the type, the amount. It's all associated with, with depression, associated with Alzheimer's, associated with metabolic diseases like diabetes. The number which seems to be evolutionarily consistent seems to be 40 nanograms per milliliter. This is the number that is seen in well-studied hunter-gatherer populations when we go out in the sunlight. There's something called beta endorphins, what you get with the runner's high. But this beta endorphin happens when we are exposed to sunlight. That's actually why some researchers refer to blue light at night as carcinogenic because Altonin is anti-cancer. My name is Jorge Roman, certified health coach and author of Return to Human. My goal with this podcast is pretty simple, to bring you both sides of the story in a world filled with cancel culture, where open conversation seems to be nearly impossible, especially in the sciences. By interviewing experts in the fields of evolutionary biology, neuroscience, metabolism, exercise physiology, epigenetics, and beyond, I hope to tackle the topic of health from as many angles as possible to make this podcast into an amazing resource for anyone looking to improve their health. Thank you for joining me. Welcome to the first, uh, actually the second solo episode that I've done. I'm coming to you from the jungles of Costa Rica, and uh, I'll share a little bit more about that later, but today I'm going to be focused on light, which is, it's a forgotten pillar of health. I mean, we think about nutrition, we think about supplementation with vitamins and minerals, we think about how good our sleep is and exercise, movement and things like that, but we rarely stop and think about how our light in our environment affects our mood, our energy, our metabolism, our immune health and all those things. But today I'm gonna to dive deep into those things and leave you with some practical takeaways for how you can optimize your light environment because chances are we're not gonna go and live like our ancestors. We're not gonna renounce all worldly belongings to go and live in a cave or to go and live in the savanna and you know have zero artificial light. So that being said, let's get started with the immune system. Now, vitamin D is something that has gotten some crazy, crazy press recently because uh, it's incredibly important for so many things. I mean, it's not only involved with the immune system. Uh, you know, thanks to that crazy amount of attention that vitamin D garnered, I actually started to learn that it's, it extends far beyond our immune system. I mean, it's involved with uh, how our metabolism works. It uh, actually affects the composition of your gut microbiome. Now, for those of you who aren't aware, the gut microbiome is a collection of, of, of really trillions of uh, you have fungi, you have some viruses, you have bacteria living in there, which uh, the composition of it, which means the species, the type, the amount, it's all associated with uh, better or poor health outcomes. Like, uh, you know, it's associated with depression, associated with Alzheimer's, associated with 
uh, metabolic diseases like diabetes and so many other things like autoimmune diseases too, for example. Now, it's also involved with sleep. Vitamin D is intimately tied to sleep. It's also involved with bone health. So vitamin D, although it's called a vitamin, yeah, and if you hear some growling, that's a, that's a monkey here in the background. Now, something that really shocked me when I was studying uh, vitamin D is the prevalence of deficiencies is insanely high. How high? About a billion people worldwide have a deficiency. And 40% of U.S. citizens are actually deficient in vitamin D. But the most interesting part is what actually constitutes a deficiency. That's kind of hotly debated right now. Um, you know, it's set at around 20 nanograms per milliliter of 25-hydroxy vitamin D. That's the active form swimming around in our blood. Um, now, if you're not in the U.S., the, the range is different. The, um, the units are different. Um, it's 50 nanomoles per liter. Um, and you can check all those resources out at, uh, in the link um, to my show notes, which is in the description, uh, in case you want to you know, do a lab test. And you should. You should really check. You know, it's a great proxy for your health, uh, the status of your vitamin D. So I'll, I'll uh, link to some resources in the show notes that you can use. Now, the number which seems to be, quote-unquote, evolutionarily consistent seems to be 40 nanograms per milliliter. I mean, the reason I say that is because this is the number that is seen in well-studied hunter-gatherer populations like the Hadza population, for example, which spend all day in the sun with minimal clothing. Um, it turns out it's almost impossible to get vitamin D toxicity naturally. I mean, the body adapts. We produce more melanin in the skin. Our skin gets a little bit darker. That's what the tan is. And you start making less vitamin D as you need it. And as we spend more time in the sun so that we don't get dangerously high levels of vitamin D. I mean, it's kind of unsurprising to me. Like, nature's pretty smart like that. We have been here for hundreds of thousands of years. It seems pretty clear that, you know, we've developed some mechanisms to avoid toxicity like that. Um, so, yeah, that's why the researchers that I really... Um, trust the most are the ones that are talking about this in an evolutionary perspective because I think that's what we need. But here's the kicker. If we set the limit at 40 nanograms per milliliter of vitamin D in the blood, around 90% of Americans would be considered to be deficient. So what does that actually mean? Why should you care about a deficiency? Well, a deficiency leads to an enhanced cytokine storm. Now, for those of you who have been uh, listening to, reading, and watching a lot of the news, you may have heard of this cytokine storm. So what is a cytokine? Essentially, it's an inflammatory signaling molecule, which leads to severe cases of COVID-19. Now, cytokine in itself is not bad, right? I don't want to talk in, in baby talk. It's not bad. It's not good. It's signaling. It's signaling, right? But... If we have an overactive immune response to it, because maybe our immune system is weakened, then this can become very, very inflammatory. And what happens is you start getting damage at the cellular level, and I'll talk a little bit about that later on. So the next thing that happens with a deficiency is you actually get an increased risk of something called ARDS, 
acute respiratory distress syndrome. Basically, this is widespread inflammation in the lungs, which again can, you know, you can't breathe well. Um, that's what has been reported with COVID-19. Now you also have an increased risk of lung infections. And finally, you're much more likely to get a severe case of COVID and die with COVID if your vitamin D status is low. So needless to say, raising your vitamin D level and vitamin D3, by the way, if you're considering supplementation, but again, you know, consult with a doctor, make sure to test. You never want to just be throwing vitamin D tablets down your throat without checking because that is a surefire way to increase the likelihood of vitamin D toxicity. Uh, if you're getting it from the sun, you're, that's much more safe. Um, but again, if you are getting it from the sun and you're very fair skinned and you aren't in the sun very much, just be smart. The sunlight, sunlight is amazing. Sunlight is great, but it's powerful. Okay. You don't just want to be going from winter in New York. And then, you know, you go to someplace like Costa Rica and the UV is like at 12 and you want to sit out in the pool for three hours at a time every single day that you're there. That's a great way to get skin cancer. Now, on the other hand, the, the safe way to do it is to go out 10, maybe 15 minutes a, a day and build up that solar resilience. Uh, make sure that you give your body enough time to adapt. Make sure that you, know, you give your skin enough time to, to create more melanin, which will actually protect your skin. It's a natural sunblock, okay? Um, if your eyes are very sensitive to it, then maybe consider sunglasses, but that's something that I think is uh, still kind of debated right now with the research. Um, the mechanism, the, the reason that I'm so, um, not necessarily against, but the reason that I'm a little bit skeptical and, I, and I'm hesitant to say like wear sunglasses is because if you don't get that UV through the eye, your body has a harder time making more melanin, okay? So... Yeah, spend a little time in the sun, work your way up as your body adapts to it. So needless to say, this is one of the most affordable and simple ways to improve your health. And if you supplement, make sure it's vitamin D3, not D2. D3 seems to work a little bit better than D2. And I'm going to link in the show notes to the episode I did, number five with Dr. Joel Gould, where he talks a little bit more about vitamin D in depth and why it's so important. Now, moving away from vitamin D, we have nitric oxide. Now, nitric oxide is a really interesting compound. Uh, you might find it advertised in things like uh, beet powder, right? And it says increased blood flow and all of these gym rat kind of advertising claims. Um, but it's really important. And many people don't know that nitric oxide is released when sunlight hits our skin. And why is that important? Well, it can lower blood pressure. It does increase blood flow. It also does something really relevant right now, which it decreases viral replication. Now, it, that's exactly how it sounds. When a virus gets into the cell, it starts replicating, hijacking our own machinery, so to speak, and it starts creating more of itself. Now, this isn't necessarily a bad thing. Again, I'm not gonna say virus bad, virus good, okay? A virus can be bad if our terrain, our inner terrain is damaged, okay? So if viral replication is allowed to go uncontrolled, 
that's a problem and that can lead to damage to your cells and inflammation. Now, I'm going to link to a study here um, and I'm going to read a quote from them. Nitric oxide produced by the airway epithelium is vital to antiviral, inflammatory, and immune defense in the lung. And again, you can find that source in the show notes linked in the description. Now, let's talk about mood. Let's move away from the immune system a little bit. If you're familiar with seasonal affective disorder, one of the most natural and efficacious treatments of seasonal affective disorder has been shown to be bright light. And that's why a lot of seasonal affective disorder occurs in the winter months, because we see less light, especially if you're living, you know, in the northern hemisphere like Canada or up near, uh, near, near the border of Canada and the United States, um, because you have less intensity of light and you see light less, much less in the winter months, right? Now, this can be with artificial light, like an LED or a red light device. If you, you know, if you're living in a, in a winter, uh, in, in, in deep winter, um, yeah, you might not have access to the sun, even though that's optimal. Um, so it can be with an artificial light, uh, or it can be with a, a red light device, um, which is called photobiomodulation. And you can get a good device like that in the mornings and just, you know, spend 10 to 15 minutes looking at that. How else can light affect our mood or, or what could be a possible mechanism? Well, if you've ever heard of a runner's high, you know, or if you do a really high intensity workout and you feel really good after that's that kind of like Zen feeling after you do a workout, that's our natural internal opiate and painkiller system being flipped on. This happens similarly when we go out in the sunlight, there's something called beta endorphins. Now endorphins is what you get with the runner's high, but this beta endorphins happens when we are exposed to sunlight and this kind of keeps us going back to sunlight. This is why a lot of people really love the feeling of being in the sunlight because of these beta endorphins that are released when we're exposed to it. Now, let me shift away from that and talk about sleep. So light is one of the most important cues to the body, circadian cues, because it controls our circadian rhythm. Now, what is a circadian rhythm? Well, it's a 24 hour cycle, which we work on. You know, it's uh, this synergistic release of neurotransmitters and hormones, and this all happens, it's a cycle, right? So in the morning, for example, we have more cortisol that's high in, in the morning time. We don't want cortisol, the stress hormone, to be released very late at night because that can keep us awake, right? But we, we need cortisol in the morning because that signals it's time to be awake, it's time for activity, it's time to scavenge for food, it's time to move around, right? And light, especially the bright light that we find in the morning with the sunlight, that tells us exactly that. That gives our cue through our retina, through our eye, that tells us it's time to be awake, okay? And this is a great, great thing to do. Um, alternative, or I guess for most people, in addition to coffee, okay? so. Here's what I would recommend. Watch the sunrise, even if it's cloudy, um, because you're still getting some UV light shining through. Um, watch it for at least 10 minutes, you know, 15 if you can. Allow that cortisol to rise naturally. Set that circadian rhythm for the morning, uh, because that's actually gonna lead to more effortless sleep at night. Because if your body is, is, is in alignment 
with a natural light cycle, you're gonna have no problem dozing off that night. Okay, now the next thing that you can do is, you know, get some sunlight throughout the day. Um, obviously, like I said before, you wanna make sure that you're not burning, uh, you're doing it in a way that's smart, um, build up that resilience. Um, now the next thing you can do is watch the sunset. Uh, if you do that, melatonin starts being released when, once the sun sets and it starts to be released in total darkness. Now, that's really important because you, you can't have melatonin be released very well if you're looking at your phone, which tells your body that it's midday at midnight. If you're looking at your phone, you're looking at notifications, the middle of the night, well, yeah, you're gonna have some trouble falling asleep because you're, you're turning on some of those genes that are involved with our circadian rhythm, but that are supposed to be turned on in the morning or during the day, but not at night, okay? And uh, that's actually why some researchers refer to blue light at night as carcinogenic because melatonin is anti-cancer. And if we have you know, light really late at night, well, lowers our melatonin, and then leaves us more prone to virtually every disease that you can think of because melatonin is incredibly important in allowing our body to regenerate and recover and uh, kind of cleans up our mitochondria, our, uh, our powerhouses of the cell. I kind of hate saying that sometimes. It's so overused, but it is. It's, it's, the, it's the organelles, the little, the little working machines in our cells which make the energy. And if you think about a campfire, for example, well, you can't have a campfire without the fuel, and then what happens to the fuel after it's burned? Well, it turns into debris. The melatonin comes in and picks up that debris and kind of cleans it up, so to speak. So that's exactly how light, well, it's a quick overview of how light um, you know, can give us the right cues to make falling asleep effortless. And obviously sleep is in, if you have poor sleep, that's one of the quickest ways to accelerate your aging. That's one of the quickest ways to increase your risk of depression, neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's, um, you know, have blood sugar dysregulation where it's super, super high, um, you know, have brain fog, have low energy. So this is why I stress so much the importance of light. Now with vitamin D, something that I didn't mention and I just remembered, if you're interested to go a little bit deeper into this, if you want to listen to an expert on this, listen to Dr. Stasha Gomenak. She is an incredible researcher. She, she's a neurologist, if I'm not mistaken, and she's discovered kind of, uh, or shed light on this link between uh, vitamin D, the gut microbiome, and how well we sleep. Long story short, if you have a proper vitamin D status, a high vitamin D status, like 40 or above that we talked about now, more isn't always better, but that's a side note. If you have that 40 nanograms per milliliter, let's say, then that's when your body can start to do the repair work. Um, and it needs it. That's a resource that your body needs when it's uh, in deep sleep. It needs some vitamin D because there are vitamin D receptors uh, in the brain and that's how we can start to repair the brain during sleep. So to end this, I'm going to link to the show notes uh, to all of the research that I talked about here. Um, key takeaways. Light is a pillar of health. It's an important one and it's an often neglected one. I didn't even know about it until a couple of years ago. It's not something that most physicians are taught. 
Uh, it's not something that's very mainstream, but it's something that is 100% backed by research. And it's been that way for a very long time. So it's a double-edged sword in the modern world, obviously. We want to have our devices. It's a quick dopamine hit that we can very easily abuse. And so that's why it's so difficult. But really, put your phone in the other room. Like if you're, if you're an, uh, about to go to sleep, what I do is, let's say an hour before I actually go to sleep, I will put my phone on airplane mode. I'll put it in another room to charge. And I'll go to sleep because that'll also contribute to a lower electromagnetic field intensity, <clears throat> which I will talk about in a later episode, and I'll bring on a few scientists to talk exactly about that, uh, because that can disrupt sleep as well. Um, so yeah, just do the simple things. Think, think ancestrally. Now I'm I'm not tied to the whole idea of you know, science is bad, mod modernity, you know, modern world is bad, but we can really learn a lot. Some key pieces from you know these modern hunter-gatherer tribes like the Hadza or the Maasai. Uh, we can learn a lot about how they live and and how healthy they are. And then we can use science to fill in the gaps. It should be a synergistic relationship between modern science and ancestral health. So I'm gonna leave you with that. If you have any questions, as always, reach out to me at eatdamnwell at gmail.com. Check out my Instagram at live.damn.well. That's the easiest way to connect with me. Um, I hope you enjoyed and I hope you start bringing more awareness to your light environment because it's intimately tied to your health. If you like this episode and if you'd like some of my other episodes with other guests, please take the time to review this podcast on iTunes. That would be incredibly helpful to me and getting this message out to way more people. Navigating the world of health and wellness is anything but straightforward. So if you're a little bit confused as to you know, what things are harmful? Is this food good? Is this food bad? Well, spoiler alert, it's not that simple. However, I and many others have done the heavy lifting. So I put together a book called Return to Human, how modern medicine, the media, and the mundane have destroyed our immune systems and how to move back towards optimal health. The full version is available on Amazon. Now it's around 70 or 80 pages. And so it's really a simple guidebook that you can use and an introduction to all of the major aspects of health, which is why I think it's so helpful for people who are kind of confused and lost. Here's what I cover. I cover the top six aspects of health, which if compounded, if combined together, and all of these things are done properly, then you can have amazing effect on your overall health because you know, unlike what many health gurus claim, one thing will not make a healthy person. Multiple things will give you a 1%, a 2%, even a 10% if you're lucky, increase in your overall quality of life. So in the book, I share with you the six major aspects of health and what things in our modern environment are causing our immune health to be totally crippled and then also what we can do to live an ancestrally modern lifestyle which supports health. And it's not a medical recommendation. Of course, I want you to do your own research. You are responsible for you. But it's a great starting point if you're a little bit confused. Now, I understand that right now you may not want to dish out a few dollars, even though it is $3 right now on Amazon. That's okay. Because mindset is inextricably tied to your immune health, so your emotional state, your mindset, all of that directly affects 
how your immune system functions in response to a virus or bacterial infection and so forth. So I made that chapter 100% free for you to download. It gives you some very simple tools that you can use to reduce stress, to calm the nervous system, all in a way that's free or very, very affordable. Now, if you want that, you can click the link in the description, which says free download to chapter two, or simply head over to livedamwell.com. I hope you check it out. I hope it helps, and I'll see you in the next episode.